Hey everyone, this is your friend Michael here with the Brand New Day podcast and I'm doodling with that song. Um, I'm leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. That's a song that was written by an American writer years ago named John Denver and basically it's just a guy going off traveling and saying I'm not sure I'll know when I'll come back and I want to tell you a story some of you are familiar about a time that I got on a plane and almost died and how it has proven to impact my life to this day. A few years ago in December, I was on an airplane and I was in the back right seat and I was looking out as we were getting ready to go out to the taxi in a way to take off. And while we were pushing back, I looked out the right side of my window and the person with the orange little funny things, I don't know what those things are called, but they were kind of directing and pushing, the, you know, directing the, for the, tr- the plane to push back. And I noticed the person just kind of seemed odd, like didn't feel confident. And then what really got me attention is when they started like jumping up down, like trying to get it to stop. And we kept on. So I, I looked out closer because it looked so odd. And I looked behind us and sure enough, there was a plane that was behind ours. And we were headed right toward it. So I told everyone on the plane in the back, and it was quiet and the lights were low and everything. I said, we're about to hit a plane. We're about to hit a plane. And um, sure enough, like we started to slow down, but we didn't slow down fast enough. And you just kind of heard this super low dud sound. And I turned over to the passenger across the aisle and I said, we just, we just ran into a plane. He's like, what? Are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And, and as I was telling him, we were just kind of, gathering this crazy information together in our minds, the other plane that we had ran into also started to kind of move forward because the planes had kind of lodged together and it started moving forward. And as it did, you kind of heard this low, like kind of a sound. And and then finally, like the other plane was on its way, but I looked and I could see the back wing was kind of like, like, like a Frisbee kind of like moving, you know? And I was like, Whoa, we just, you know? And so he's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, we got, you got to call the flight attendant. I said, okay. So I hit the flight attendant. The flight attendant came back and I said, listen, we just, we just backed into a plane. And then I, and tell me more. And I gave all the details and the flight attendant, believe it or not, kept super cool. And then he's like, okay, I'll let the captain know. And I just kind of discern, like, I think they think I'm just a wacko. <laughs> and, and, and so sure enough, like we didn't really hear anything more. And the other passengers like, what are we going to do? We got to tell them, tell them. I said, I already told them. I'm sure they know. And, you know, the flight attendant said that they would talk to the captain. And and so we just kind of sat there. Well, after a few minutes, the plane started to go out and taxi to the runway. Well, at this point, the passenger was freaking out. He's a 20-something. He was a military guy. And he's like, dude, like, I think we're going to take off. I'm like, no, I bet they're just going to take us to another gate or something. Just relax. Well, then it was clear. No, we're going out to the runway. So we go out to the runway. The guy is freaking out. The rest of the passengers are all quiet as they kind of hear us. And we're like wanting, this is important. We're not wanting to cause a scene or freak people out. But at the same point, we kind of sense that something's really bad has happened. And anyway, so the passenger next to me, you know, he's the sharp guy across the aisle. And he's like, listen, man, we've got to do something. And, and then the dumbest comment, probably one of the lifetime dumbest comments I ever made. True story. Everything I'm telling you is true. I told the guy, I said, guy, listen. Even if we are damaged, I have flown flight simulator on the computer and you can fly a plane safely even when it's damaged on flight simulator. (laughs) 
Well, that really freaked the guy. He's like, this is not Flight Simulator. What are we going to do? And so while he was freaking out and I was just trying to, to chill and I'm thinking it's going to be okay. These people know what they're doing, you know. And, and finally, while we were in line, the captain came over the loudspeaker and he said, uh, passengers, it's been brought to our attention that we may have something uh, malfunctioning with our plane. We're just going to take a look at it at the gate. We're sure it's nothing. And then uh, we'll soon be on our way. And so the other guy's like, yeah, we'll see, you know. And, and I was like, oh, okay, great. So we went back to the gate and we got to the gate. And when we did, like I said, it was dark and people were going out from the tarmac. There were all these officials type people and they had flashlights and they were going around the left side of the plane, looking at all the wings and stuff. And I remember telling the flight attendant, no, it's the back right. It's the back right over here. And so eventually they made their way over to the back right. And then you could see they were all like putting their flashlights up in the back of the plane. And I said, oh, now they see. So sure enough, uh, the, soon the captain came on. He said, ladies and gentlemen, super cool. You know, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, actually, we do have something that um, that we'd like to take a better look at on our airplane. And so we're going to go ahead just to be safe and we're going to deplane and and uh, please meet us at the, at the other gate in a few minutes so you can deplane. So at this point, the other passengers like, well, we could have died. The person on the ground should be fired. And, and, you know, now they know what's going on. And, and so we deplaned and I'll fast forward and say that when I got off the plane, um, soon they really wanted to talk to me. In fact, they got to where I talked to the, uh, I don't know what they call him, the co-captain, I guess, or the vice captain. And they're like, no, we, you need to talk to the captain. So I got in this meeting where it was just the captain and me privately in this little secure place. And he started asking me all these questions. So I was like, this is the most bizarre experience ever. And, and he said, sir, did you um, see something? So I told him I saw the whole thing. I saw the person on the ground messed up. I saw the plane hit. I saw the plane kind of scratch as we disengaged the other plane. I told the flight attendant. The flight attendant didn't seem that concerned. Uh, they weren't really listening to me. And he's like, sir, you saw something that was dangerous, right? Yes, yes. Why didn't you make a big deal? Well, I told the flight attendant, listen, flight attendant or not, you saw something. All those lives are at risk. And you saw something. Why didn't you make a big deal? You should have stood up, done anything, stood up, start screaming, stand up, refuse, say, I have to get off this plane, do everything you could, but make a scene. You did not do that. And we could have taken off. And between you and me, sir, the back of the plane, I've been down on the tarmac personally, in the back, the hydraulics or whatever are, are all messed up on this plane. And if we would have taken off today, we probably would have been killed. And I was just like shocked, like that he even told me that, let alone that what he was saying. And I was just blown away by that experience. Well, they put me up in first class for the last leg, along with the passenger, the 20-something military guy. And he was still irate. And anyway, it was just crazy. I won't tell you the airline because I would, you know, you don't want to like uh, point out U.S. Airways or anything. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, um, pray for me. I'm sick, by the way. I appreciate that. But um, I really, really uh, learned a lot that day. And, I, and it wasn't just that day, it was later. So I, about the importance of standing up when something is an emergency, even when it doesn't feel like it around you. I got out of the meeting with the captain. This is true. I got out of the meeting and the passengers that were nearby me, they were all kind of gathering, waiting. And they said, so, you know, tell us, what did he say? And, and, and I said, guys, listen, um, I owe you an apology. You see, I'm a Christian and I 
knew something was wrong, but I also said, well, these people know what they're doing. And if it goes, if the plane goes down, like I'm still okay. I'm going to be with God in heaven. It's okay. And I, I literally thought this and I literally told them that. And I said, I just apologize because there's other lives there and I should have been more alert and I shouldn't just been so lax about everything and just being, oh, I'll just trust God with this. And it was just wrong. And I apologize. And so they were like, uh, okay, you know, and everyone was kind of just, you know, freaked out about the whole thing. And, um, Anyway, that's the end of my story. So the reason why I've told, and I've put that in a newsletter a few years ago, and I shared it on the podcast. My kids have been begging me, tell the plane story, tell the plane story. So, okay, I'll tell the plane story. But here's the thing, friends, like the world around us is like a sterile place where you don't really want to rock the, you really don't want to like, you know, quote, rock the boat or mess up the cabin in an airplane. You don't want to stand up and have people say, what's wrong with you? And and everything just seems so fine. And you almost think, well, no, there's nothing really that wrong. But here's the thing. Like, um, you and I and those that are in Christ, we see something. We've seen something. And the others haven't. And we have a responsibility to tell them about that. And if we don't, what a wicked thing to, to just, like, think that we don't have that that responsibility. So, oh, that put so much pressure on you. Well, get over it. You know, it doesn't matter if you feel pressure or not. It's still a fact that the world needs us. And the Bible tells us in Ezekiel, we have got to, we're like watchmen. If the watchmen don't make an announcement of warning, then they're accountable. It says in Proverbs 24, 11 and 12, rescue those that are headed toward death and hold back those staggering toward slaughter. Now that's that is that is the facts. Whether you you know don't blame me, but that's who it is now. As a Christian, as someone that follows the Bible, you, me, like we cannot escape some of the crazy radical things that we believe that frankly are what have gotten people killed for centuries now. We believe that the Bible says there's one God, one mediator, period. Say there's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. We believe that he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We believe that Jesus is indeed the, like the Son of God and that he alone will uh, be the, the way for people to escape the judgment that is due all of us. And so here we are, we're on this plane, and, and there's plane-type situations all around us. They're relationships, they may be with neighbor, might be with a family member, they may be with uh, people in an entire region across Middle East or North Africa or places where the people haven't even heard at all, had any opportunity whatsoever to know that there's a danger looming. Nothing. They haven't heard anything. And here we are on this nice, cozy you know, thing. And every single day, 150,000 people pass away. They're like people taking off on an airplane. And a lot of those people are on airplanes, so to speak, um, where they just stripped off. And there's like that song says, I don't know when I'll be back again. And, and we look and we say, wow, their hydraulics are really, really messed up. And, you know, only God ultimately knows who belongs to him. But I can't help uh, but quote the Bible to us all and say, hey, it's pretty clear. Apart from Christ, there's no Savior. So, oh, friend, I am pleading with God um, even now for myself, for you, that we would sense, even in our sterile worlds, that there is an emergency and that we must act on behalf of other fellow passengers that are around us in this world today. Let's do that. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, you start by asking God to give you the heart of Christ and give you 
a lifestyle that is like Jesus. The Bible tells us God wants us to become like Jesus. Well, Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He's the one that said that, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. You can bear fruit that lasts. We have to be close to him, and then we have to let his love power us around people. Guilt isn't a good enough motivator. Uh, sense of responsibility, even those things that I've said, those are secondary. The way forward is always to be close to Christ, not to polish our faith and and brag about how much we know and feel so cozy that we know Jesus, but to step beyond that to where his love overflows. If you are close to Christ, hear this and be mad at me if you'd like, but it's still true that when we are truly close to Christ and he gives us his heart, then our heart for fellow passengers increases to where we become more and more um, passionate about them and less passionate about us. So what do you do? Well, uh, I, I won't take the time right now, but let's just say this. You just have to go for it. You've got to speak up in the situations. Um, we've got to give like there's no tomorrow. It's Giving is huge, huge. Money is such a huge piece of the kingdom. And no, I'm not raising money right now for one way, but I am pushing for investment into the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that um, as stewards, we have huge opportunities, especially many of us who are Americans who have, who have access to extraordinarily high amounts of money that those funds can be used to directly tell people about Jesus and to support those that are out there doing great work. It is an essential role. Our giving matters, not just how much we give or, you know, I did this, but like, are we strategic? Are the talents that we have multiplying and, and can we know that? And can we give in such a way that we're strategic? A huge passion. I'd love to talk more about that in the future. And then prayer, Lord, just crying out, Lord, I'm praying, I'm praying. I refuse to give up on my family member. I refuse to give up on my neighbor. I refuse to give up on my son or my daughter. Lord, I refuse to give up on my country. I refuse to give up on the unreached. I am going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on pushing and asking God as a child before a father. And I'm also going to just keep seeking. I'm going to keep seeking God, but I'm going to, it's all in the context of, yes, God's grace over my life. And yes, the emergency that's around me, 150,000 people, even since this podcast has been going, we've been going for about 15 minutes. And in those 15 minutes, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people have passed into eternity. It's an emergency. And uh, don't let the sterile environment, don't let your cozy life, my cozy life, and it is cozy compared to the demise of the people on these jet planes that are going off. We don't know when they'll be back again, so to speak. Oh, God, help us, I pray. This podcast is not intended to make anyone feel awful and guilty, but it is it is called to empower and encourage and to perhaps to waken us up to, to a reality that, no, things are not okay around us, that the world is in great need, and we can do something. Even just one passenger standing up and saying, we can't go forward, can make all the difference. So may God use you, may God use me to be that person that stands up on behalf of those around us. Even if it's awkward, even if we look like maniacs, um, let God lead us, but let us not try and keep everything status quo because status quo leads to millions and millions of people continually boarding planes, going on a jet plane, and many of them never to be seen or heard from again. Um, Meanwhile, 
uh, we just skipping along our way. We can't do that. Don't make the Michael Thompson mistake of that airplane. May God spare us from such regret. Um, I got a second chance. The plane was saved. Um, obviously, in the world, the stakes are higher. And uh, in many, many cases, we don't have that extra chance. So make the most of every opportunity as we see that days are evil. That's what it says in Ephesians. So may it be true for all of us. God help us, we pray. Lord, help us. I pray that this podcast would be an encouragement, not not something that people would feel unnecessarily beat up. But I do pray it would challenge and you would use it to to breathe. I pray the words would breathe life and they would settle in as people consider relationships, their finances, their prayer life, their life as a whole. And you would help every believer here to never walk through life thinking, oh, I don't know my purpose. I don't know what I could be doing with my time. Meanwhile, we see so many perishing around us. Lord, we say, even fresh today, here am I, God, send me, use me. Take my finances, take my family, take my prayers, take my heart, take my career, take take my time, take, take my everything, Lord, and use it for your purposes. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you all, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.